All right, guys, and welcome back to Black and Behind the Scenes. I'm Antoinette. And I'm Brittany. And I know it's been a long time. Oh, my goodness. It's been a long time, but guess who's back again? Hey, and we have visual, guys. We're on YouTube. Yay. So new beginnings. Um, Happy New Year, Brittany. How was your new year? It was, um, it was good. You know, it was the new year. I'm, you know, I don't want to say the cliche to be out of 2020 into 2021, because it seems like we're still going to be dealing with some mess in, <laughs> in 2021. But uh, I'm always happy to see another revolving around the sun and to experience every day. So I'm grateful no matter what happens. But yeah, how about yours? Um, good. Um, so far, so good. Um, again, like, as you said, things have, you know, started off to a bumpy start, but I am happy for a new year. I'm happy for like, um, new beginnings and, um, better things to come. I'm excited. So, I mean, it is what it is at this point, you know, just got to keep going. Pretty much. I mean, you just, we just keep on pumping. <laughs> what can you do? Exactly. What can you do? So, <laughs> all right, guys. So, um, we are going to go ahead and jump right on into the um, industry top news of what's going on and just get right to it. Um, so, the first story or first kind of topic I want to bring up so we can discuss is kind of... Uh, the coronavirus and how recently, according to Variety, that production for a lot of Hollywood movies as well as series and TV shows um, are going to be, uh, will be on um, hiatus until mid-January. Um, yeah, due to COVID um, in California. So I wanted to talk about this story and get your opinion on it, Brittany, about kind of your thoughts on the coronavirus and how it's affected, you know, the movie industry, production. Um, my heart personally goes out to all the people who are freelancers and working in the industry in LA because I would not want to be doing this and going through this right now because you have to decide between your health and your paycheck at the moment, you know what I'm saying? And as a freelancer working in the industry and we have worked in the industry before, we understand like, uh, unemployment benefits are non-existent. I think currently you get that, um, some people, but people have been having a hard time getting that. So I know a lot of people are probably wanting to go back to work because you have to make a living. Um, but what are your thoughts on that, Brittany? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it doesn't just affect those in the Hollywood. It's, I think it's across the country, right? Because even in D.C., you know, my full-time job, I work with freelancers. Um, my job is video production. And so a lot of our shoots have halted. Um, we've had to um, make a lot of shifts to virtual remote productions and just find creative ways to um, tell stories. So it's not just, um, you know, in L.A., but I know since this has happened, the industry and the guilds have been doing a lot of work on um, getting COVID compliance officers. Like there is courses that you can take to become a COVID compliance um, specialist on sets. And that's your whole job is to make sure that, you know, people are in um, 
in compliance with whatever the city is, whatever the CDC recommendations um, are. So making sure equipment's are wiped down, making sure there are designated areas for people to have break, making sure that you're six feet apart from equipment to talent, um, doing regular testing. So I know that there are a lot of um, policies and standards and procedures, you know, Hollywood is putting into place to circumvent like an outbreak on set um but it's still hard and i think even with that they're still having having to come up with creative ways to to do shoots right so you scale down your crew you scale down the people who can be on set um and it's just a lot leaner you know maybe you i've seen a lot of storylines in which <laughs> people are talking virtually like facetime you know <laughs> so you just kind of get creative I, mean, I don't know they're going to have to continue to do that because we're going to experience this at least in my opinion to the summer or that's what everyone is saying maybe even to the fall so I don't know yeah that's yeah. a lot it's a lot of people's pocketbooks that are being hurt though for sure that is for sure. I mean, even with the movie industry itself, that was something else I wanted to talk about, kind of how um, I saw another article Variety published about um, how will the movie industry come back, you know? And if we do come back, what would that look like? And I know like the AMC, they need a bailout of like, I believe 125 million or billion dollars in order for the AMC just to come back. Um, and that's even if they will. So um, We've talked about this before, but I have always been okay with not. Um... <laughs> you have. And, and when it came out, I said, you know what? This Antoinette has been championing it for this for a long time. And I was always the one like, no, that's not going to happen. We don't need to do it. People want to go to the movies. And look, we're forced to be at home. Right. It's just like, had they done this, had they practiced this before, we would not have this issue. You know, you would have already had the procedures in check. People would be comfortable with kind of watching movies at home. Had they just listened to me in the beginning, you know, like listen to your girl. <laughs> listen to you in the beginning. <laughs> Thank you. That's all you have to do is just listen. Listen to black women. <laughs> um, yeah, so... But no, on another note, um, something that I just saw recently is that Roku just acquired all of Quibi's library. Now. <laughs> you know, wasn't that a huge disappointment? It's like, it came and it went, and it seemed like, you know, this time quarantine was going to be the perfect time for Quibi to shine because people were going to be at home. But I also think maybe that was the reason why it didn't shine was because the content was so short. It was like 15 minutes, right? People are at home. They're looking for longer form content. I don't know. I'm just disappointed. I disappointed. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I kind of saw this. It's not surprising to me that this completely failed, honestly, only because um, I did not see a lot of promo for this. Like there wasn't a big push for it as far as in the digital space. I didn't see that. So because I didn't see that in the digital space, I said, I don't know how this is going to work. And when it failed, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I could see that. And they did, I mean, they had all these big names tied to it. Like Kevin Hart was supposed to have a show and mm -hmm. some other folks I can't remember at the time, but they had like big talent. Right. Creating. But, but the thing is, celebrity doesn't matter anymore because 
digitally YouTubers are the people who people are the influencers or the ones that people gravitate towards to or to get suggestions from. Me personally, I've watched so much YouTube that I don't even watch other networks or anything. Majority of my time is spent watching YouTube videos all day. And that's where I get most of my just content from. And it's not on these other apps. I will switch on HBO Max or maybe Netflix when a movie comes out, but I'm not surfing them all day the way I am YouTube. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was really interesting that Roku acquired their library to be able to kind of do that, um, to do their content. And they're going to make content available via their Roku ad support. So that's how they're going to get their revenue in that way. So... Well, let me tell you one thing that ain't going to go away are these ads. <laughs> right. <laughs> that it's is ain't going away. <laughs> All right, guys. So next up is our girl, Ava DuVernay. Again, she, um, this report comes also from the Hollywood, I mean, no, Variety. And her and Peter Roth um, launched to launched a tech pla a tech platform to connect overlooked talent with hiring managers in Hollywood. So Ava DuVernay and Peter teamed up, um, who is the chairman of HBO, oh no, Warner Brothers Television, to launch Array Crew. So this will be a diverse database to highlight below the line talent in Hollywood. The platform's purpose will be to solve Hollywood's diversity problem by providing a platform that will allow studios to women and people of color in the entertainment industry. Some um, networks that are currently signed up or ready and geared to use this platform is uh, Sony, Netflix, and Disney um, are just a few that are invested in the project. So I thought this was pretty cool um, of them to do. It's called Array Crew again. And actually, if you go to the website Array Crew right now, they kind of have a launch um, coming soon for it and the platform. It looks like uh, Staff Me Up or any other kind of um, production hub to find jobs and things like that. So I'm, I think it's gonna be similar to that. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Brittany? And what do you think? I think that's really cool. I mean, of course, we know everybody's championing for diversity at this moment. And what that looks like is um, getting diverse above the line crew members. So like directors, producers, actors, but the below the line crew members like um, grips, grips, production managers, art directors, uh, first assistant directors, people like that they're not necessarily getting that shine or getting those opportunities. So a database or a production hub for them to find jobs for um, companies to find them. I think that's, that's very cool, especially because like, um, you know, staff me up or production hub or media match and all these other sites that you can, um, you know, put your resume on or find opportunities. You could kind of get filtered out, you know, and it, if someone is not looking for you specifically, then that's a lot of people of color. So I'm all for that. You know, she's always championing for us to be in front and behind the scenes. So kudos to her. I love it. I love it too. Um, you made some amazing points with that as well. And I love it um, due to the fact that you'll, again, this is another database for people in the production industry to be able to use. Um, and I just think that's really dope. Um, I lost my train of thought about exactly what I was going to say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, kudos to you, Ava DuVernay, for doing this um, and stepping out to be able to provide this. Oh, that, this is what I was going to say is that there's no more of uh, this excuse that we don't know. We don't know of any people of color to be able to hire in the industry. Now you have a specific database for people of color for you to go through and to, you know, hire them for your um, different um productions and things like that i mean i don't know what, about your experience but i know whenever i signed up for any of these little hubs i would always get pa job offers like i would never get producer associate producer anything of that nature so hopefully this will help other people to level up and to move up in their careers when they're using this platform because that was something that i had an issue with um working um when i was freelancing as in the dc area yeah i think this would be a great startup for people we, i mean usually below the line crew members um tag along with um a producer or a director like you just get in you you flow with them they like how you work and then they bring you on to every production that they do um but yeah. this, this will be good for those who are just starting just looking to start or um who are still like gigging it from gig to gig you know without having those connections and it should work well because there are big names tied to this they're big names vouching for these people and i'm pretty sure they have a, a a good vetting process to get um quality below the line crew members so yeah it's very dope very very dope um the last story that i want to kind of talk about and it's going to move on to our next segment also is deadlines um, they listed the 21 most influential films of the 21st century so far. So I found this to be very interesting because the three films, they had a list of um, other uh, films, but the three films that had a majority or main cast was African-American, Black, um, was the 2018 Black Panther, 2017 Get Out, and 2016 Moonlight. I would have to agree with this list as far as the most influential just because of the nature of the three films and kind of the different uh, particular background, the stories and how it's pushing. Um, well, so we have sci-fi, we have the LGBT kind of um, story, coming of age story, and then we have a Get Out, which is kind of a little... Baseball. Well, I think it's like a real story, but but it does have it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has some elements there, but yeah. So a horror. It's it's a horror, considered a horror film. Yeah. So um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. What are your thoughts about this list, Brittany? Um, yeah. I uh, I thought the list was interesting only because. You know, we watch TV or well, film. We watch film, and I feel like there are a lot of other films right. that could have made this list. But when you think about like, having major impact as far as being able to allow smaller projects to be greenlit, um, that had huge box office success, that had commercial success, yes, I would go with that because they were influential in kind of showing that, like, Black people can tell these diverse stories um, and that they look good and that, you know, they can do well, make money. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with that. I agree with the list. Right. And so moving on to kind of the next segment, which you, you tapped on is kind of, um, so what other films, in your opinion, do you think should have been on a list? 
Oof. <laughs> <laughs> what other things that? Well, I don't know. I guess. So when they say influential, what makes it influential? I mean, in my opinion, influential would be something that a st- how I see it is more so a story that either has not been told or that perspective has not been seen in, in um, has not really has not been seen in or will push like is a new narrative that will be able to push something forward. Like you said, um, so I, the Black Panther, Black Panther being able to come out, I feel like there'll be a lot more sci-fi movies with black main characters that will be green, greenlit because Black Panther was such a phenomenon and such a huge movie. Um, Get Out, other horror films, black horror films will be able to uh, be created because that film did so well. Um, Moonlight, other LGBT movies will be able to be greenlight because they understand that this is something that can sell and is a beautiful film. It's pushing the culture forward. Um, things like that, in my opinion, is, is what. Yeah, I mean, we're still so early into the 21st century, right? So it's kind of hard to, for me to be like, well, no, this should have been on there. So I'm I'm in agreement based on that standard of what influential means, um, that those are probably the three key ones. I don't even know if I would have put Moonlight in that because it was such an indie film. And even it's, it was a beautiful film, one of my favorites. Yeah. So I'm a Barry Jenkins fan, but... I don't know if it didn't win Best Picture, if that would have been on a contender. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know if it had that much of an influence. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think just visually, that movie did it. I think that's what, I think when they say influence, as far as that particular film, maybe um, the visual appeal to it kind of was the most influential as far as that that's concerned. I, I think in that aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. Are there films on there that you feel like should be on this list that aren't? It's funny because I started, I looked into it a little bit. And so <laughs> what I realized about my list that I um, kind of put together is that a lot of them are coming of age stories about young women. And um, some, a lot of them has to do with the youth is what, what I feel that should have been on the list. So one is um, Pariah, which was a 2011 coming of age story about a young lesbian woman. Love, love, love that film. It was, be- I would love to watch it again. Every time I see it, like I just like, it's just all over again. It's just such a beautiful um, film itself. Another one is um, Girlhood, which was a 2014 French film. I loved it. And the reason why I picked, well, let me go back to um, Pariah. The reason why I picked that film is because it was, a coming, like I said, a coming of age story about a lesbian woman. And I think that that is a story that I have not seen been told before. Um, the only other time that I've really seen a lesbian, uh, a black female lesbian playing in a role was when I saw um, Lena Waithe in the Netflix uh, film, Master of None. um, Master of None. Master of None. Yeah, and I saw her character and I was like, I was fascinated by Lena Waithe because I had never seen that person or a woman like that on the screen before. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, wow, I just was hooked. And so it just reminded me that we need to see more of that. And then 
The film Girlhood is, like I said, a 2014 French film, and that was a coming-of-age story. And again, it was a French film that um, had the heavily French... I can't believe... I don't... I can't remember whether it was subtitles or not, but I love that film because I felt that we're starting to open up the United States to international films and people being more comfortable with watching films from other countries. And even if it does have subtitles that you will read the subtitles because it's actually a great film itself. Um, it doesn't have to be based in the American English language um, in order for it to be you know, accepted by the culture. Um, so I thought that was great. Um, Roxanne Roxanne was another one that I thought was pretty dope. Yeah, but when when these are all great movies, and that's why I'm saying they're they're dope movies. But when we're talking about influential, are they on the level for being influential based on industry industry standards? I don't know. Yeah, not. I wouldn't say more so about like the film itself. I think just more so the context of the subject. Subject. Is I, I'm interested that... to see what the white films are that were influential because <laughs> then i can compare i feel okay. like you know let's let me pull up let me name a couple of them um give me two seconds oh joker was one yes i would agree absolutely um parasite was another okay yes and that's absolutely. a foreign film minority exactly. person of color mm-hmm. um once upon a time in hollywood I didn't watch that one. I mean, what was influential about that? <laughs> I, I, I don't seen it because it, it did get a lot of hoopla, but it did. It, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't. I still didn't watch it. Um, the Shape of Water. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mad Max, Fury Road. Oh, really? Okay, that must have been really good. I'm not a, a like a action. I haven't seen the first Mad Max, so no, that wouldn't be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and another like another one is the Social Network. So I think like the Social Network got in there because it's more so about the digital age and kind of the story of that whole the background to that, the underlying of that. So you know, yeah, I don't. I'm seeing Avatar, Slumdog Millionaire, The Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. Iron Man. Yeah, I agree with this list. These are influential. Um, yeah, so if I'm looking at these big names on here, I mean, I agree with this list. I ain't mad at it, and I'm not mad at the the three black names on here because there are also other uh, minorities or person of color films on here. So it's not a bad list. No, not at all. Um, It's not a bad list, but yeah. So that's the only, so the only thing I thought that that was missing was more so of a, for the black, within the black spectrum of it is just more so the black coming of age story for women. And then the other two films that I liked a lot were um, Dope and See You Yesterday. And the only reason why those two really stuck out for me is that it was the story of the black quote unquote nerd. Um, It was a story of, you know, education being cool, technology being cool, 
um, kids embracing that. And there's no more, there's no longer the narrative of, you know, the struggling black kid in the ghetto. You know, we, we have evolved into other aspects of life and we're, we're normalized. So that's why I like those two films. And so I thought those two will hopefully push the culture forward to have more films seen like that and have black characters or black um, subjects seen in a normal light now. So I agree. And like you said, a lot of your films are coming of age stories, which are my personal uh, favorite stories to, to look at. So, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was I was funny because when I did the list, I'm like, wait a minute. All these are coming of age stories. <laughs> like, oh, I all have a common thread interest. But yeah, so that that's my. <laughs> um, so that's that's that. Um, so with that being said, I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on movie theater because it was like this big topic of movie theaters or movie movies in general that are meant for box office meant to be seen in the box office now having to be seen at home everyone knows my opinion on that but Brittany how do you feel about um seeing a movie like coming to America that will be coming out soon um not being able to see it in the box office and having to watch it at home or another film that will be coming out soon also is um Judas and the Black Messiah. That's another film that was supposed to be in the box office. How do you feel about watching those movies at home now? I mean, I think there is something to be said for viewing a film, um, for viewing a film in the theater. That experience, getting that surround sound, looking at it on a huge screen. Like when I think back to would I have wanted to experience Black Panther? in home would I have wanted to experience a movie like get out or um maybe moonlight or any of those films would I wanted to experience that in home would I have gotten the same feeling probably not it's a different because your environment is different it's going to feel different you're going to receive the information different so I think there are some films that deservedly so need to be seen in the theaters and I would like to see them in the theaters and it just depends on what it is am I looking to go see coming to America in the theater no like I could definitely watch that on my uh 55 inch tv (laughs) you know I don't have to have a big screen for that um but I don't know. I think I... Okay, here's my thing about in-home watching. It's expensive. And I say that because it's $20 for a new release. Now, granted, you get a 48-hour viewing time with it. So, during these during the quarantine, I got Antebellum, which somebody owed me $20. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I watched that, and then I watched The High Note. With Tracy Ellis Ross, which and Kelvin Harris Jr., which I absolutely love that film, and it just so happened because I liked it and I paid twenty dollars for it. I watched it four times because I was gonna get my, my money worth. But like for a family, like my friend, she um they rented Trolls, Trolls Two, right? So for a family, twenty dollars, a family of four, you're getting your money's worth. Am I getting my money's worth as a single person? I don't know. Okay. Th- those are just my two points about in-home viewing experience. I'm here for it, and then I'm not here for it. I mean, the person, you know, Candyman is supposed to come out. That guy, I- that director refuses to do in-home. Like, he's like, y'all gonna watch this. 
Y'all watching this in the theater. <laughs> Y'all watching this in the theater. We ain't doing it all in home release. And then it's also something about the community of watching it in the theater. Like, even though I will complain and say, oh, I wish people shut up. But just hearing other people's reactions or how we like all feeling the same thing together. I kind of miss that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. And I feel like something like Candyman or, or a scary story like that, we all wouldn't be, woo, girl, don't do that. You know, have those type of reactions. Our colorful black people reactions. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I would agree. With some movies, I would prefer to see in theaters. But, I mean, for me, majority, I like to be at home to watch them. But for Get Out, I, well, I did not see that in theaters for other reasons because I thought the movie was going to be completely different than what it was. <laughs> oh, you thought it was going to be like a scary movie. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, nah, I'll wait. I'll wait for that. But um, yeah, like Black Panther, I could definitely, I would definitely would rather see that in a theater than to see it at home first because I did go to the theater a few times to watch Black Panther on the big screen um, just to get the effect of everything. So I, I, I agree completely yeah i mean another big film that i they kept pushing back because they were hoping for a theater release this year or last year was tenant with john mm-hmm. davis washington um and i end up seeing it in home it was released in at home release but i think it would have been differently i would have experienced something different if i would have seen it on the big screen yeah tenant i do want to see that as well and yeah, probably, because that seems like a really action-packed movie that you do want to see on the screen. A movie that I think that, it's, it's an old movie, but it was the one with Jamie Foxx, Miami Vice. Yeah, I know. It's 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 not even it's not a good movie, but the, I'm just talking about the the shots specifically that I remember from that film. It will only work if you're in a theater to be able to get that experience to view that. Um, so just a film like that. It's, it's similar yeah. into that in that same context. Or uh, even like the audio, right? To have that surround sound, to have speakers from the front, from the back. You know, most people don't have that type of setup in their house. So Very true. True. But one thing I would love to do that I have seen other people do since the virus has happened is that they have these inflatable screens and then they do these viewings at home with like close friends with the whole popcorn concession stand set up. And then you watch the movie and you're out in the grass in the backyard. I thought that was super cute and dope to do. So that's something I'm looking forward to do in the future. Yeah. And maybe that could be done with a um, coming to America, too. Yeah, that'll be so cute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so speaking of that, what are some films that you are excited for this this year, Brittany? Whether it's a film, series, what content are you excited to see and that you hope that we do see, really? <laughs> Good question. Um, the, the funny thing is I haven't seen a lot of... Um, talk about what's coming out this year like huge buzz um except for coming to america too um i know netflix is um debuting um malcolm and marie with zendaya Mm -hmm. and john david washington that's coming out what maybe this month or next month probably um other than that i don't really know what else is coming out this year not even with TV. 
honestly. I mean, because, like, we could say, like, I don't know if um, Insecure is back in production. Um, so, I don't know. Same. I'm just taking whatever people give me. <laughs> right? Um... I think that's why I ended up on YouTube so much because I got so sick of like waiting for content to come or just like bored with what I was watching. Um, I watched the whole season of Girlfriends all over again, um, the whole series rather. Um, and yeah, so the only film that I know that I'm interested in that I'm excited for is of, of course Coming to America. That um, And... Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. That that's I'm super excited for. Uh, let's see. I don't. I know. That's all I can think of too. And I know Insecure had their writers' room back, but that doesn't mean that they're going to film if they're able to film. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I think we're just kind of having to get what we can get this year. I think so. I think I think so. And I think what we're going to do on the sh- um, on the podcast, guys, is that as content, as we keep rolling these, um, hopefully we'll be able to, to have enough content to do weekly shows. But if not, we'll just have to redo, like review everything that came out in 2020 and kind of just do some overviews of some shows and things or movies and stuff like that to kind of keep keep fresh and keep you guys listening to the show. Um, yeah. Keep you posted on that. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that's coming out on Netflix or some hidden gems, not even Netflix, but even Amazon Prime. Like uh, last week I watched Sylvie's, um, Sylvie's story, Sylvie's love story with Tessa Mm -hmm. Thomas Thompson on Amazon Prime. I have my must watch list. Yeah. So I think there are things on there. Um, you just got to dig. And we'll dig for y'all and we'll find it so we can tell y'all where to go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so all right, guys. So this next segment, Stream or Skip, we're going to talk about uh, one series that's currently out this year and one movie that dropped. Uh, so the first up is Power Book 2, um, Ghost Season 1. And, of course, the writer for this is Courtney Kemp. And this is a prequel to Power, the series that was on Stars, and this also is on Stars. This film or the series stars uh, Michael Rainey Jr., Mary J. Blige, Method Man, uh, and it picks up where Power left off. So, Brittany, were you able to check this out? The answer <laughs> is no. <laughs> Uh, I decided when Power ended that I was no longer going to support any content coming from Curtis 50 Cent Jackson um, because he is a bully. And in my opinion, he needs to be canceled. I I, I am just not a fan of him. And I think he, he needs to be thrown out. So I'm not <laughs> trying to give him any of my streams, any of my numbers for him to count towards his success so i'm not watching power book ghost book um ghost before the change ghost after the death none of that well, i don't know what the series about i don't care about a storyline with Tariq and tasha i don't want to see how ghost and angela used to be or timing 
I will say this. I may be interested to see what Tommy is doing in LA on the West mm-hmm. Coast. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them, I don't want I don't want I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> now I actually I I everything that you just said I absolutely agree with. So coming into this, I did not want to watch this series. I was not interested. 50 had gotten on my nerves because of his bullying and just disrespect throughout the whole summer that he did. I was just like, okay, I don't really want to support you or anything like that. But for some odd reason, because there wasn't a lot to watch and um, I just stumbled upon it and I was like, okay, let me give it a chance. And I did. And um, let so here are the things that I liked about the film. So, or the series, sorry. Uh, I have a newfound respect and admiration for Michael Rainey Jr. So, I really love this kid. Um, For some reason, I told you guys I've been scouring on YouTube all summer and all year. And someone did like a little mini series documentary about him on there. And it was fantastic. And it just made me fall in love with him as an actor uh, and his dedication. I remember he was in love as a kid with Common. And that was an indie film. Um, I took my mom to go see that, I remember. And then he was in The Butler. He hasn't been in a lot of films, but he was also an amateur on um, Netflix. He's been moving his way up and this kid is a star. And I really love him as an actor and I think he's dope and he's someone to look out for. He's a force to be reckoned with. He has an amazing spirit and I just can't wait to see what this kid does in the future. So I'm solely supporting this because he's, he. I'm supporting him. So, and Courtney Kemp also. Yeah, so he, he's been great. Um, and actually watching this, I did not like Tyreek's character, his character Tyreek St. Patrick in power. I hated Tyreek. I couldn't stand him. Although Courtney Kemp has no idea why people can't stand that character. I could not stand Tyreek. Yeah, she said, yeah, she's, it is. She said it on a live. Like she said, she has no idea why people don't love his character. And so I would say in this new series, I love his character. I mean, it's not that I love his character, but I don't hate him, right? He's likable. The kid is likable now. Like, I don't know how she did it, how she was able to transform that, but Courtney changed that character over and he's not bad. I like this little Tyreek that's in school and who's doing things and, you know, being a little mischievous here and there. Well, could it be, and again, I'm not watching um, whatever the show is, but... I feel like in Power, the show was about ghosts. It was about James. And so we as the viewer are rooting for James. And Tariq was a disrespectful little shit. I mean, he just was. He was, um, in our view, he was selfish. He was getting to something that he didn't have to do because he lived a life of privilege. Um and we just felt like he was making dumb decisions. I mean, he was the reason why his sister got killed. And so for all of that, no, he was not a likable character. Now, maybe in this new series, he has more character development. We see more reasons of um, why he made some of the decisions or why. I don't know. But this show is about him. So we're going to get more character development. It ain't about him in power. Now it's about him and whatever this show is. So I can see that. I mean, and he he really is a talented actor. And I feel like part of maybe why the turnaround or the shift in likability is because he is talented. And I think if you as a... And, and to Courtney's 
um, credit her writing. Um, if you can make that shift from a character being um, deplorable, unlike, to like the champion, the one we're rooting for, who else are we gonna root for at this point? Huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Courtney Kemp definitely, specifically focused on his character for this particular series, and she's peeling back the layers of his character, and we're seeing his development and kind of. His coming, um, and she said this is a coming of age story for this series, and that's what we're able to see, and it's unfolding um, before us. So, I yeah, so I agree with that. Um, something else I um, liked about the series is the fact that it's not overly sexual like Power was, and it's not gory. Well, let's hope so. I mean, because Tariq is still a kid. Exactly. No, see, well, wait, because no shade, but the BET uh, series, uh, what was that? Boomerang? That was really sexualized. And those kids are like in their 20s or like a little. But they were in their 20s. Tariq is still, I mean, from what I remember, I don't even know if he's 18. He graduated high school early, so. But he's in college now. He's in college. I think those kids are like around the same generation kind of setting, but for sure it's not overly sexual. They, they show like kissing, but it's not, it's not over the top. And I'm really appreciative of that because I do not want to see that with these children. Um, that's something that turned me off of Boomerang on BET. I just couldn't watch these young children do these things. It's just too much. <laughs> well, that and it's just not good. <laughs> Uh, something else that was really dope about the series so far is the wardrobe is by far amazing. The clothing selection on Tyreek's character, um, and the professor, her name slips my mind now, but a lot of the clothing choices are fantastic. And I forgot to look up who exactly is the wardrobe stylist for this series, but I will link their name here or post it in their picture, but they're doing a fantastic job with the wardrobe. Um, I'm personally excited to see Mary J. Blige and Method Man. Girl, now Method Man. Yeah, Method Man. I just, you can't go wrong. I just- He is looking good these days. Yes, he, yes, very much so. And he's very, um, he's a lawyer, Um, he plays, uh, Tasha's uh, lawyer in this series and he's doing a fantastic job if I do say so myself girl he is giving me zaddy vibes okay all day all day and um Mary J Blige is uh, love seeing her on uh on this series as well she's doing a fantastic job playing another character her name her name in the series slips my mind right now but she's doing a great job also and another big ups to Courtney Kemp and her beautiful mind because she made me fall in love with the series. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's it's great. And as you can see from my glowing review of it, I think you should stream this series. Like, I absolutely think this is something that you should take the time out to watch. If you're not boycotting 50, if you're boycotting 50, I totally understand. Don't do it. Um, skip altogether. But with just the facts, the things that I kind of pointed out, you should stream for those reasons. Do you like this series better than Power? Or is, can it? Can you not compare? I mean, they're two different storylines, two uh, different, well, not the same characters, but the focus, the... 
It, I don't think you can compare the two because because power is so power is really in your face with the with the killing with the with the the action the drugs and the and although you know this this power book too has like those elements it's not as harsh it's not as in your face it's not it's not that bad it really isn't it really isn't okay. at all yeah um yeah guys so the next movie up is kind of a throwback well not really a throwback but a film that came out in october of this year and that is charm city kings and this is a gritty coming of age drama of 14 year old mouse uh, desperately who wants to desperately join the midnight click an infamous group of baltimore dirt bike riders who rule the summertime streets so, Brittany, did you have a chance to check this film out? I did. I did watch um, Charm City Kings. It's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I watched it. Absolutely. So, what were your thoughts? I really like it. I mean, like we said earlier, coming-of-age stories are my favorite to watch. Um, and it was refreshing because it was in a um environment that we don't necessarily see all the time it was filmed on the west side of baltimore you know i don't really see a lot of storylines coming out of baltimore so that was good and then it also um had a heavy emphasis on dirt bike culture which is a big thing in baltimore um so yeah i thought it i thought it was a good movie i thought it was cute well cute is not the right word i thought it was good I agree. I thought the film was really good. I am a huge fan of William Catlett, the one who played uh, the detective. I I love him. He's from not just because he's from my city city of Alexandria, you know, not just because of that. He's from Alexandria? Yeah, yeah, Alexandria, yeah. So for y'all who don't know who William Catlett by name, he is the guy who played, um, what was that series that got chopped? Love is. Love is. So he was the main character, the guy on Love Is. And I'm glad to see him get more roles because I think he's a talented actor. I love him. He's also in Black Panther. I mean, sorry, Black Lightning. He was also in that series. Um, Yeah, I I just, I'm head over heels for his acting abilities and just how he evolves in different characters. It's just, yeah, I'm in love with his, what, what, what he does. It's amazing. Yeah. I thought Meek Mill did all right too. I do too. I did not think he did a horrible job. It was I was I was impressed. I was like, okay, Meek, you're good. Like it's not bad at all. You know, but normally I, I cringe when I see actors trying to be um or rappers trying to be actors. Like I don't know if you've seen any grownish promo, but like Sweetie is going to be on there and I'm already cringing. But she might be right. all right. I mean, I'm just not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. But I thought I thought Meek Mill did really well. And mm-hmm. I think it's because the um, the storyline, the characters, the environment is in his wheelhouse. It wasn't a stretch, right? Because Agreed. he played an ex-con. He played a... Um, somebody from dirt bike culture that's a big thing in philadelphia so it wasn't i mean the environments were similar something that he he knows so yeah i thought he was a good fit i 
I agree 100%. Um, I thought Meek Mill did a great job, and I thought the reason why he did was because it's similar to what he's used to in the culture that he has in Philly, so it was right on par. Um, I think the kid's name, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, it's Jaha Winston, was the main character who played Mouse. I have to say, his Baltimore accent <laughs> was on point. I had to give it to him. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh God, them ba- let me tell you, Baltimore accents, the way he was hitting them tears, oh. Oh. <laughs> to look to see where he was from he's actually from atlanta i thought he was from baltimore the way he was speaking i'm like oh my goodness he has that accent down he did a really great job with that he did but you know what he's a talented young actor you know he was young ralph Tresvant in um new edition he was in proud mary what else has he been in um oh my gosh Let's see. Queen and Slim, he was in that. I mean, he 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 is one to watch. Very talented young actor. Yeah, very girl, much but th- so. you are so right about that Baltimore accent, girl. Them- <laughs> girl, that I'm Baltimore like- accent is something else. Like, ugh, to me- I'm not gonna say nothing because I don't want people coming at me. But <laughs> it's something else. I-, I would say that, and I thought he did, like you said, a good job nailing down that accent. Because it is very particular. It's very, like, <laughs> girl. It's very, very Baltimore City. I mean, it's just, and even though, like, I, we're, I'm in Maryland and I'm from Virginia, but Baltimore is different. Like, people need to understand that these are different places. Virginia is a different place. D.C. has its own culture. Maryland has its own culture. And Baltimore has its own culture. Like, Please understand that. Don't enter my... Even though we're all next to you. We're very close to each other, but um, accents, culture-wise, it can feel worlds apart. Absolutely. It's just, it's completely different, and you can't have a different accent and pick that up from different um, areas of the... where we're at, the melting pot, I guess what you would call that. But, um, so I just thought that was amazing, and... The one thing that I will say about the film, I don't know if you picked this up, but to me, I got the shy vibes. Because the main character is is a guy, a young guy coming of age, trying to decide if he's going to go on the right straight and narrow path versus be in these streets, right? Not, not just so much that, but the whole his friends. The Papa and Jake kind of thing, and he had his two best friends with the locks, and then the big heavy, the heavy set kid. That's what it just gave me the shy vibes. It just made me think of the shy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can I see that. that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay. So were, were there any other things about the film that you particularly liked? You know, I liked that he had a love interest. I like, I like that. I think the biggest things that I liked was that for me from somebody who ain't from Baltimore, who don't go to Baltimore often. (laughs) But I felt like it did a good job of picking up on Baltimore culture and picking up on um, that that dirt bike culture, you know, how people gather on the the streets and just kind of like these cliques, right? I thought it, I thought it was, 
pretty good. I agree. It made me, I mean, I called my sister right after I watched the film and I'm like, wait a minute, sis. I think I missed out on the whole culture up in B-more. We should have been out there. <laughs> Why we didn't get our invites to the, to the uh, dirt bike scenes? Yeah, I feel like I missed out. Like growing up, like where was I at? Um, in the house? I should have been up in B-more, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah, I do think they did a wonderful job with displaying that culture. And just so people know, Overbrook Entertainment um, produced this film along with Sony Pictures Entertainment. And if you guys know who that is, um, Overbrook is a production company owned by Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And if you know, Jada Pinkett Smith is from Baltimore. And her brother also was one of the producers on the film. Um, yeah, so it, so it definitely had the people, the right people from the city to help tell the story and to get the authentic kind of essence of that to come through. So I definitely think they did a wonderful job with that. Yeah, I think this film goes back to what we were saying about um, finding those gems on these streaming platforms. There wasn't a lot of promo for this. Um, it kind of just like sneakily snuck on this uh, this app. And I was just like, oh, what is this? At first I thought it was a series. But then when I saw it was a movie, I was like, oh, okay. It just it just popped up. So, again, this is one of these hidden gems that we're finding on these apps like HBO Max um, that's on Amazon. For films being exclusively released on these type of platforms that are still good, that have major actors, they're not B-list celebrities, right? They're... Um, big players on these apps so definitely some stuff on there and charm city kings is just like a testament of some quality programming that you can um can find on on the app absolutely and um the last thing i want to point out is that this particular film was derived um derivative from the document the 2013 documentary the 12 o'clock boys which was a documentary about the dirt bike about the dirt bike scene in Baltimore and they kind of took that um, documentary and then turned it into a film. So absolutely this was a gem that I was excited to see. I, I just like you, I thought it was a series when I first saw it and I'd had no idea it was a movie, but it was beautifully shot. I thought it was amazing. I thought the characters and a lot the actors did a wonderful job. I was really excited about it and um and you know it's another real. good thing about this particular film I did like after the movie they had all these um, small vignettes about dirt bike culture in um, Philadelphia they had these um, spotlights on um, um, some of the folks who ride there and why they like to ride what it means to them so it was just like another hidden gem to, to watch absolutely yeah that was really cool That they did have a vignette of that at the end that was really cool yeah it was really dope yeah but that's all. That's all. Watch Charm City Kings, HBO Absolutely. Max. Definitely, you won't be disappointed. Especially if you if you liked um, Power Book, um, Ghost. You know that series. I think Charm City Kings will be right up your alley to watch it. So definitely download the HBO Max um, app and check this film out. For sure. Definitely. All right, guys. Um, That kind of is it for the show. We kind of went off format a little bit this uh, episode, but we will be back to our regularly scheduled um, format uh, next week when we film again. 
again, we will have to try to see what we're going to talk about <laughs> because some content, we do have some stuff on the, do the docket, but depending on how things are going to be released in Hollywood and what, you know, topics we have to come up with and news I have to bring to you, if we can get a whole 30 minutes of a show, that'd be fantastic. Um, we'll try to do our best this season. So please bear with us. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll be good because um, these digital platforms are allowing so much creativity, so much stuff. Even though COVID is kind of halting production, we're still seeing um, we're still seeing a lot of those hidden gems, stuff that was shot last year that may um, be in edit right now or in post. So I think we'll I think we'll be okay, honestly. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, and that is it for the show. I am Antoinette. And I'm Brittany. Check you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.